Page 126, Protector. My family, which humans call a true, was just like any other gorilla family. There were 10 of us, my father, the silverback, my mother, and three other adult females, a juvenile male called a blackback, and two other young gorillas. Tag and I were the babies of the group. We squabbled now and then as families will, but my father knew how to keep us in line with a simple scowl. And for the most part, we were happy to do what we were meant to do, to feed and forage and nap and play. My father was a master at leading us to the ripest fruit for our morning feast and the finest branches for our night nests. He was everything a silverback is meant to be, a guide, a teacher, a protector, and nobody could chest beat like my father. A perfect life. Gorilla babies and elephants and human babies are not so different, except that a gorilla gets to spend the day riding on his mother's back like a cowboy on a horse. It's pretty. It's a pretty great system for the baby's point of view. Slowly, carefully, a young gorilla begins to venture farther and farther away from the safety of his mother's arms. He learns the skills he will need as an adult, how to make a nest of branches, weave them tightly, or they will fall apart in the middle of the night, how to beat your chest, cup your palms to amplify the sound, how to go vining from tree to tree, don't let go, how to be kind, be strong, be loyal. Growing up gorilla is just like any other kind of growing up. You make mistakes, you play, you learn, you do it all over again. It was, for a while, a perfect life. The end. One day, a still day, when the hot air hummed, the humans came. Vine. After they captured my sister and me, they put us in a cramped dark crate that smelled of urine and fear. Somehow I knew that in order to live, I had to let my old life die. But my sister could not let go of our home. I held her like a vine, stretching across the miles, comforting, strangling. We were still in our crate when she looked at me without seeing, and I knew that the vine had finally snapped. The Temporary Human It was Mac who pried open the crate, Mac who brought me, bought me, and Mac who raised me like a human baby. I wore diapers and I drank from a bottle. I slept in a human bed and sat in human chairs. Listen while human words swarmed me like angry bees. Mac and his wife had a wife back then. Helen was quick to laugh, but quick to anger too, especially when I broke something, which was often. Here is what I broke while I lived with Mac and Helen. One crib, 46 glasses, seven lamps, one couch, three shower curtains, three curtain rods, one blender, one TV, one radio, three toes, my own. I broke the blender when I squeezed the tubes of toothpaste and a bottle of glue into it. I broke my toes attempting to swing from a lamp fixture on the ceiling. I broke 46 glasses. Well, it turns out there are many ways to break a glass. Every weekend, Mac and Helen took me to their convertible to a fast food restaurant where they ordered me french fries and a strawberry shake. Mac loved to see the expression on the cashier's face when he drove up and said, Could I have some extra ketchup for my kid? I went to baseball games, to the grocery store, to a movie theater, even to a circus. They didn't have a gorilla. I rode a little motorbike, and I blew out candles on my birthday cake. My life as a human was a glamorous one. Although my parents, traditional sorts, would not have approved. Hunger. In my new life as a human, I was well-tended. I ate lettuce leaves with Thousand Island, dress, Thousand Island dressing and caramel apples and popcorn with butter. My belly ballooned. But hunger, like food, comes in many shapes and colors. At night, lying alone in my poo pajamas, I felt hungry for the skilled touch of a grooming friend. 
for a cheerful grunts of fight and play, for the easy safety of my nearby troop. Foraging through the shadows, remembering what happened to Tag, I told myself, don't think about the jungle. Still, sometimes I lay awake, wishing for the warmth of another, just like me. Asleep in a night nest of tender prayer plant leaves, I liked having sips of soda poured in my mouth like bubbling waterfall. But every now and then, I longed to search for a tender stalk of an arrowroot, to feel the tease of a mango, just to reach out. Still life. One day, Helen came home with something large and flat wrapped in brown paper. Look what I bought today, she said excitedly as she tore off the paper. A painting to go over my living room couch. Fruit in a bowl? Max said with a shrug. Big deal. This is fine art. It's called a still life, Helen explained, and I think it's lovely. I dashed over to examine the painting, marveling at the colors and shapes. See, said Max's wife. Ivan likes it. Ivan likes to roll up poop and throw it at squirrels, Max said. I couldn't take my eyes off the apples and bananas and grapes in the picture. They looked so real, so inviting, so edible. I reached out to touch a grape, and Helen slapped my hand. Bad boy, Ivan, don't, don't touch. She jerked her thumb at Mac. Honey, go get a hammer and a nail, would ya? While Mac and Helen were busy in the living room, I wandered into the kitchen. A cake covered in thick chocolate frosting sat on the counter. I love cake. Love it. In fact, but it wasn't eating. I was thinking about it. It was painting. The frosting peaked and dipped like waves on a tiny pond. It looked like rich and gooey, dark and smooth. It set, looked like mud. I scooped up a handful of frosting, and I scooped up another. I headed to the refrigerator door. It was perfect, an empty, white, waiting canvas. The frosting wasn't as easy to work with as jungle mud. It was stickier and, of course, more tempting to eat. But I kept at it. I scraped out every last bit of that frosting. I may have eaten a little cake, too. I don't remember what I was trying to paint. A banana, most likely? I suppose I knew I was going to get in trouble. But at that moment, I just didn't care. I wanted to make something, anything, the way that I used to. I wanted to be an artist again. Punishment. I soon learned that humans can screech even louder than monkeys. After that, I was never allowed in the kitchen. Babies. Back in those days, the Big Top Mall was smaller. It had a pony ride, a wooden train that bustled around the parking lot, a few bed-raggled parrots, and a surly spider monkey. But when Mac brought me a baby gorilla dressed in a crisp tuxedo to the mall, everything changed. People came from far and wide to have their pictures taken with me. They brought me blocks and toys and guitars. They held me on their laps. Once, I even held a baby in mine. She was small and slippery. Bubbles flowed from her lips. She squeezed my fingers, and her rear was puffy with padding. Her legs bowed like bent twigs. I made a face. She made a face. I grunted. She grunted. I was so afraid she would fall that I squeezed her tightly, and her mother yanked her away. I wonder if my mother ever worried about dropping us. We always held on. But that's easier to do when your mother is furry. Human babies are an ugly lot. But their eyes are like our baby eyes, too big for their faces and for the world.